How's everyone doing? Good? Sad it's coming to an end. Do stay in touch with each other, won't you? It's important. You know, you, you all know about this sort of post-camp blues, isn't it? You go back with the best of intentions. <laughs> it's so easy to lapse back into your former life and to think that this, this is unreal, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? No, you're all really godly. You don't know what I'm talking about, do you? <laughs> Does anyone know what I mean? The, the kind of post-clamp. Yeah, let's, let's just pray that God doesn't, you know, doesn't allow us to slip back and, and to, you know, to, to keep the ground that we've gained, unlike the US in Afghanistan. Really, really... Was that too satirical? Was that, I don't need, Especially, it's very bad taste in the light of what happened yesterday. It's awful. I don't know if you guys heard, like 90 people have died, so we need to pray about that. Um, we are talking about warfare today, though. Um, yeah, so just a quick recap. First talk was on God's purposes for us to be holy, which is not very attractive until we understand how wonderful and enjoyable it is to be set apart for our creator's purposes. Our design, isn't it? You know, to live according to your design, not grinding the gears, but going with the gears of life. And to be adopted, to always know that you have a heavenly dad looking after you, which is really great because sometimes life is quite lonely and difficult and to be redeemed to be purchased by the blood of christ means god's not going to hold anything against you on judgment day it says that he casts our sins into the depths of the sea and remembers them no more puts them behind his back imagine god having a back that he could put things behind that's where your sin is hallelujah and um we then thought about on the second day god's purpose for himself something that doesn't normally interest us because we're little self-centered little brats aren't we but actually, it's really important to God that he unites all things under his son, Jesus Christ, who is worthy, who's the head of all things in heaven and on earth, and that he reveals himself, the revelation of God, that he likes to show his characteristics. Romans actually says he, likes, he wants to show his wrath, but also his grace is like, if you like, the jewel in his crown, even more important to him, if you want to put it reverently, than his wrath. And also we see that God wants everything to be for the praise of his glory, and that we live our life for that audience of one. And that if we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do it to the glory of God. If you can't do something for the glory of God, don't do it. <laughs> and then the third session, which is on Wednesday, we think about Paul's prayers. Instead of just praying for health and wealth and happiness, that we pray about the hope to which he's called us and really focus that God will show us the riches of our inheritance and his inheritance in us, that he considers us something worthy of inheriting. And also, secondly, that God will give us power, the resurrection power to overcome our addictions and difficulties and problems and temptations and to love other people. That's the third thing, love, that we might know the love that passes knowledge, how high, how wide, how deep, how long is the love of Christ. Nothing shall separate you from the love of God that is in Christ. Brilliant, isn't it? And then yesterday we were thinking about our walk. We were thinking about... Again, how we can be completely humble and gentle and bear the fruit of the Spirit and be comfy in our ones. That's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. The things that unite us are far more than the things that divide us. You know, first and foremost, you're my brother, you're my sister in Christ before we get into any disagreements. And um, love, that we walk in love. We imitate us of God. God is love. God is love. So when you're loving, like Nathan was saying last night, I thought it was really good. He said, what's the point of anything, really? What's the point of family? What's the point of anything if there's no love there? So thinking about what that looks like in practice, things like anger, things like 
having those two strawberries in your pocket every time you have a conversation you bring out one of those strawberries which one is it you know the rotten one or the fresh one I don't know if you thought about that yesterday that's the image that's going to stay with me anyway <laughs> partly because I paid for it but yeah um, <laughs> and um, submission as well and, and, and in the Q&A we're going to talk a bit more about submission it's, it's an interesting topic because Islam of course means submission but there's submission without the love you know and um, there's not that sense it's, it's, it's really possible to submit because you know your top boss is Jesus and even if your husband is not so A1 amazing, then, you know, the great bridegroom Jesus Christ is. So that's why it's possible to submit. Even if your dad's not great, your heavenly father is great and so on. So that's what we were doing yesterday. The final talk today um, is on warfare, okay? And um, we it's very appropriate, isn't it? Because we're going to go back into uh, the battlefield of life, if you like. I mean, there's warfare here too, you know, because we can... We can have temptations and difficulties even amongst believers, but it's going to be that much more difficult, isn't it, when you get back into the melee of everyday existence, right? So um, somebody kindly read Ephesians 6. So let's turn to that now. And I was walking to my friend's house a week ago today, actually, and I walked past this in Croydon Centre, which is mostly graffiti. (laughs) Um, And it says this, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And that's right in the sense of Croydon. So there's one reason to come to Croydon. <laughs> you got the Bible. It's an amazing. So, you know, something's going on there, isn't it? That somebody would choose to write that. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. And I want to... So yesterday was about walking, but today's about standing. Right, so standing firm, right? I'm gonna, you're going to go back and you're going to have things that are going to make you wobble. But we want to stand firm, don't we? You don't want to fall over, do you? You want to stand firm. Like, a bit like when, you're, when we were playing the pillow fighting thing on the first day, wasn't it? I think it was on the Monday or something, or Sunday. People were whacking it. So you want to try and, try and stay upright. Quite interesting that when, quite often when people hit someone else, they also fell off. Just thought it was possibly symbolic. Um, <laughs> preachers read things into everything, don't they? It's terrible. Um, so to stand firm in these three things, our power, our defense, and our offense, okay? So I'm going to think about those three concepts. And this is the topic statement for today's message. God calls us to stand firm in his power, defended by his armor, and fighting, notice this, fighting his battles with his word and prayer, okay? So I'll say that again. God calls us to stand firm in his power, defended by his armour, fighting his battles with his word and prayer. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 onwards. The armour of God. Okay. So first thing I want to think about with you guys is power. Okay. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Okay. If we fight in our own power, we have already lost. If we fight in God's power, we've already won. And if you remember that bit, sorry to keep quoting movies, but you know that bit in The Matrix right at the beginning where Trinity's, um, there's a policeman and uh, he gets visited by Agent Smith and he says, what's one little girl going to do against all my men? And he says, Lieutenant, your men are already dead. <laughs> and that's what it's like when we try and fight battles in our own strength. We've already lost, haven't we? Partly because the main battle is to get yourself under control, isn't it? It says in the book of Proverbs that somebody 
who lacks self-control is like a city with no walls. It's actually, it's actually better to deal with your own self-control than any other battle, really. If you can deal with that first, then you've basically, you're already on your way to winning any other spiritual battle, isn't it? It's what goes on on the inside, you've got to sort that out. The battlefield of the mind comes first. And of course, we can't overcome all the problems in our brains and our minds and our mental health without God's strength. So very important, be strong in the Lord Jesus, that is, and in the strength of his might. How strong is Jesus? Very strong, isn't he? (laughs) He was able to have self-control in every situation. He was able to have wisdom rendered to Caesar what is Caesar, renders to God what is God's. Um, I will answer what your question, but first answer my question. Whose authority did John speak? You know, Jesus always has a perfect answer for every occasion, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, why do you call me good? There's only one that is good. I mean, it's amazing what Jesus says. He always has the right, right answer for every occasion. And that's because he's relying on the strength that comes from God. He always knows when to walk away. He always knows when to fight, what to fight, who to fight. He chooses his battles. We're going to come on to that. But he's operating in God's strength. So please don't ever go into battle in your own strength. Don't rely on your experience all right, it's very easy to do when you get older, perhaps to think, well, I've done that before, so I know what I'm doing. Like even now I'm speaking to you, I've preached, you know, hundreds of sermons, but in this moment I'm so weak if I go on my own, aren't I? I have to be preaching in the power of Jesus Christ in me. And I rely on your prayers to pray for me that I preach well and, and, and so on. So we, Jesus says really clearly in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do, what is it? Nothing, right? And then Philippians 4.13, always quoted at sports matches, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean whatever you want. It means the things he's calling you to. So if we fight in our own power, we've already, sorry, we've already lost. If we fight in God's power, we've already won. Wonderful thing is that we're actually, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory, right? Because we are already more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Christ has won the war, hasn't he? If you read Revelation, it's this massive spoiler (laughs) about the end of the time that the lamb is on the throne, right? And the devil, he already knows his time is short. That's why he's raging. See, we actually know what's going to happen at the end. And that is that Jesus, the lamb, is on the throne and he's won the war. Okay, there's lots of skirmishes and battles in the meantime, but we're fighting from a position of victory. Because where are we located right now? Root Hill Farm, obviously. Um, but where are we located according to Ephesians 2? Does anyone remember? In the heavenlies, yeah. Yeah, so we were dead in trespassing sins, following the course of the, out, you know, the world and the prince of the power of the air, Satan, world, the flesh and the devil. But God is rich in mercy, made us alive together with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenlies. So it's written in the past tense. You know, you're not seated primarily here. You're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. You're like, I don't feel like that. <laughs> I didn't get much sleep last night and, you know, <laughs> I couldn't get a shower or whatever it is. And, you know, I've got a bit of a tummy ache, a headache or whatever. It doesn't feel like I'm seated in the heavenlies. But that is actually where you really are located right now. You know, might as well be there because it's a done deal because Jesus has brought you there. Isn't that amazing? Just to try to visualize yourself as fighting from the vantage point of heaven, right? You're already kind of there in the truest sense. You're seated in the heavenly places of Christ. So we're fighting from victory. All right. So we're in a very strong position because if God is for us, finish it for me, who can be against us, right? The Lord is my light and my salvation, Psalm 27. Whom then 
shall I fear? Okay, so you don't need to panic. You don't need to fight your own battles. You don't need to fight in your own strength. We fight from victory, not for victory. Choose your battles wisely because if you fight them all, you'll be too tired to win the really important ones. And that's a worldly quote, but I thought it was quite a good one. It's good, isn't it? Choose your battles wisely because if you fight them all, you'll be too tired to win the really important ones. Some battles you just have to lose. They're not that important. Like give way. There's a really interesting verse in Corinthians 6 where, he, where Christians are actually taking each other to court. And Paul says, that, why don't you just let yourself be wronged? Now, in our culture, that's outrageous. No, I can't let myself be wronged. I've got to fight for my rights and stand up for myself. It's like Paul's like, chill out, man. Just let yourself be wronged. Like, lose. Just lose. Doesn't matter. Lose the money. Lose the money. God, God owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He can pay you back. Just lose the argument. <laughs> it's not the argument God wants you to have. Sometimes it's really hard because you're like, I want to say that thing. You just lose, lose the argument. It's not a big deal. Like that's you're actually a bigger winner if you, if you choose to lose some arguments that are not worth having, right? Makes sense, doesn't it? If you choose to walk away and just look like the loser in that moment, right? To not retaliate when someone's got this amazing, you've got this great put down in your head. You're like, I'm not going to use it. If I use it, I'll, I'll look like the big guy and everyone will laugh at the other person. And, but I'm just not going to use it. I'm going to lose that battle. And actually, you're going to win, aren't you, overall? Because you're going to honour Christ in that. So that was the first thing is about being strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, which is, remember, the same power that raised Christ from dead, resurrection power. And now we're going to think about the actual armour, right? Defence. Choose his battles. Our enemies are not people, but the world, the flesh and the devil. See our walk when we think about love. And... Um, It's very easy to imagine that your enemies in life are other people. But what does it actually say? Verse 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against this bunch of things, right? So when somebody is like an oppositional force in your life, and I bet you do have one or two people in your life that present themselves as oppositional forces, right? Like in a hero's journey, right? In any movie, there's always kind of antagonist, right? And you have antagonists in your life. But guess what? It's not actually the people. It's the powers that are operating behind them. Do you understand that? Because if you don't understand that, you'll fight the people. And then you'll mess it up because you won't be fighting God's battles. You'll be fighting your own battles. Does that make sense? To give you an example, um, a few years ago, I was speaking at Royal Holloway Uni. Do you know Royal Holloway Uni? And um, I was giving a few talks on different things. And... um, in one of the talks, some, somebody asked the question. They said, "Do you?" F-? It was a, at that time there was an earthquake in Haiti, funny enough, similar to the one we've just had now. And they said, "Do you think the people in Haiti like explicitly deserved to die, like because they were like wicked sinners and they did voodoo and stuff like that?" Right? And I said, "No, because it says Jesus says the tower fell a bunch of people in the Bible, and they weren't more wicked than all the other people in Jerusalem. In fact, this is just a wake-up call to the rest of us because you lot are wicked in Royal Holloway as well. Like, we're all wicked. And I'm wicked." So whenever we see like a natural disaster, that's a wake-up call to the rest of us. It's not, we can't conclude that God was specifically punishing that group of people, right? Now this person went and reported it to the student union that I'd said that God, like, God hated people from Haiti and he was punishing them for their wickedness. He said the opposite of what I said. And the student union shut down all the rest of my talks. Um, which I thought was quite amazing. Because even if I had said that God had hated the people in Haiti, like isn't it free speech? I mean, I don't think it's right. It was interesting that they felt that was enough for me. It's like hate speech or something. 
And um, this is before a lot of the wokery of nowadays. It's more than 10 years ago now. It was interesting because I thought, like, I could have found out and got really annoyed with that individual person that reported me, but actually they didn't even know what they were doing. They were being, like, played by rulers and authorities and, and dark forces, right? They were trying to get the gospel to shut down. That's the objective that Satan wants, isn't it? Satan doesn't want people to hear the gospel because then they're going to get set free from him. So it's really important in that moment that I don't get really angry with that person that reported me, isn't it? And try and find them, like, get them around the back and say, what are you doing, you know? Because then I'd be losing, wouldn't I? And what was really interesting, right, is that the head of the atheist or humanist society was really annoyed about this because he was a big fan of free speech. And so what he did was he found some um, DDoS attack program and managed to sort of attack the student union servers and like spam them and like shut them down because he was so angry about it. <laughs> and so that's the thing is that God will fight your battles, right? Do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't need to do anything. Like... The atheists will fight your battle sometimes. <laughs> it's just an extraordinary moment, you know. And I'll give you one other example of where I think I messed up a little bit. Like, it was the other day, it was just much more recent. The other day, I was talking to my na- one of my neighbours nearby me, and I started chatting to her. And she's quite a sort of defensive, prickly, quite, uh, sort of private person. She's quite suspicious. And I was chatting away to her, and it seemed quite an easy conversation. I said, oh, and she said, oh, my daughter's. I said, how's your daughter? She goes, oh, it's going to secondary school. I said, which one? She goes, one round the corner. I said, oh, which one? She goes, it's round the corner. And I got annoyed with her. I was like, why aren't you telling me where it is? She goes, well, I don't really know who you are. You could be anyone. And she was kind of implying that I could be some kind of predator, you know, and I got annoyed. It was really weird. It was a weird scenario. It suddenly turned a bit weird, you know? You know, and I've known her for like seven or eight years. And I said, oh, you've known me a long time. Why would you be like that? And I walked away and I had to ask God to forgive me because I felt that in that moment, I forgot what was going on, you know? She, she, she sort of became my enemy. Uh, because she made me feel like you, you made me sort of feel like I was some kind of like predator, which I just felt really offended by. Do you know what I mean? In that moment, just because I was asking how a daughter was, you know, um, it just it just made me it sort of rattled me because you know. And uh, then I went away. I said, God, please forgive me because what's going on here is that the enemy's got a hold of her mind and she's given into fear. Like she thinks that if she tells me the name of her daughter's school, something bad's going to happen to her daughter. And then I thought, what happened in this woman's life that she would have that level of sensitivity about things like that? Do you know what I mean? And I totally missed it because I got a bit annoyed with her and she felt that I got annoyed with her. So I'm like, uh, Lord, please just give me another opportunity at some point in the future, you know, when things have died down a bit, just to go and say hi to her and maybe not ask her any questions because one of these people doesn't like any questions whatsoever and just just find a way to like show love of Christ to her again because she doesn't know that she's in... Actually, as she walked into a house, she goes, you should know that times are coming to the end and Satan's getting very powerful. I was like, wow. So that gives me quite a big clue as to what was going on there, right? But you're going to have a lot of encounters like that where you're actually going to stuff it up, drop the ball, you know, and you're going to fight your own battles and your own strength and get offended or whatever, get annoyed. And you just got to go back and say, Lord, I want to get back on the horse, you know? And remember that people are not my enemies. It's the powers that are playing them, right? They're deceived. It's Satan that's behind them. Just don't get annoyed with people that much. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, we need to put on the armour of God so that we can withstand the evil day, which pretty much is every day. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus says every day is enough evil of its own. And earlier on, in, um, it says, if you look at chapter 5, verse 14, right? it says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. They are evil, aren't they? They're getting worse in some ways. So what we need to do is put on the armour of God. Let's look at the armour of God for a moment. 
I'm not going to go into a detailed analysis of all the bits and pieces, really, because I want to get onto the Q&A stuff. Um, but we will look at a little, a little bit. Okay, so the first one is the belt of truth. Um, actually, don't need to look it up, but in Isaiah, it's really interesting because in Isaiah 11 and Isaiah 59, it talks about God's servant in Isaiah 11, and it talks about God himself in Isaiah 59, and both of them are wearing the armour of God. So when we say the armour of God, we mean literally the armour that God wears. You think God doesn't need armour, <laughs> but it's, it's just have a little read of it yourself. It's very interesting, and it also shows that Christ is, in fact, God. So when God puts his armour on us, he's actually protecting us with his own character. I think that's what it's saying. So it's like you're wearing God every day. <laughs> like you are definitely not going to get defeated if you're wearing God. Right? You're wearing God's very own character. You're, you're putting on Christ. All right. So after you've put on your T-shirt, your jacket, and make sure you put on Christ as well. Okay, That's your overcoat, if you like. And so we've got the breastplate of righteousness. Now, if you look at chapter 4, this is mostly from Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 24. It says... <clears throat> To put on the new self, do you see that? It's putting on Christ, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. There's two senses of the word righteousness. One is the imputed righteousness of Christ. You know what that means? That means, it means that you are 100% righteous and perfect, aren't you, right now? You don't feel like it, do you? But in, in, in a sense you are because when God looks at you, he sees you in his beloved son. And, and how does he feel about his beloved son? He's well pleased. So you have the righteousness of Christ. And that's why there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Yeah, I think we all have that sneaking suspicion on judgment day that God's still going to cane us a little bit, you know. But actually we are, we have the righteousness of Christ. God, God accepts us in the beloved. Okay. So there's that imputed righteousness, but also there's that righteousness as it's lived out as well. It's that right standing before God and that protects our hearts. We're not, we're not dissuaded about by every kind of emotion because we're living for righteousness, not for our feelings per se and then there's also the belt of truth sorry i missed that the belt of truth um truth is so important in this day and age okay isn't it so if we look at chapter 4 verse 15 21 and 25 so chapter 4 verse 15 speak the truth in love verse 21 assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him the truth is in jesus Verse 25, working out the truth that is in Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You're putting Jesus around you. Christ be all around me. When you put the belt, it goes all around you, doesn't it? It goes all around you and it holds you together. It maintains your integrity. Verse 25, therefore, having to put away falsehood, throw away the belt of falsehood, put Christ, the truth, around you. Let each of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. You don't lie to yourself. You don't lie to your neighbor either belt of truth that holds all things together, Christ be all around me, maintain my integrity, the breastplate of righteousness, um, the feet of the gospel of peace, Jesus is the prince of peace, how lovely on the mountains are those, the feet of those who bring good news, you know that? You know, have you got beautiful feet? <laughs> Do you bring the gospel of peace to the people around you? Um, pray for those opportunities, be bold. If somebody asks you, what did you do last week? Don't say, well, I went to Littlehampton, you know. Well, maybe you can do that if you want to, it's fine. Went bowling, went ice skating, played some games, bounced on the bouncy castle. You could do that, but you could say, we learnt about God's purposes for our lives. You know, just be bold, right? Because this could be an opportunity. They're asking you, how are you doing? What have you been up to? 
I, it's really, when I was younger, people say, how was your weekend? I'll say, I went to the cinema on Saturday or whatever. I'd never say what I did on Sunday, you know? Yeah, take the opportunities. The gospel of peace. You have peace with God. They don't. They're still at war with God, you know? Give them the opportunity to become friends with God through your feet that are fitted, ready with the gospel of peace. Um, shield of faith, sword of the spirit, yeah. Helmet of salvation, chapter one, verse 13. This is really powerful for me at the moment. I was having a chat with someone yesterday about this. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him, was sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Mental health, right? Your mind is under attack from the devil. What, what does Satan mean? It means the accuser, right? The Satan, the Satan. He stands at the right hand of Joshua, the high priest in the book of Zechariah, say, look, he's got disgusting, dirty clothes. You should condemn him, God. Satan's role is a prosecuting attorney. Jesus is our defense attorney. Who's going to win that one? Thing is, Satan, I've already paid the price for this disgusting person. <laughs> so you might accuse them, but there is no charge against them. There is no condemnation for those that are in me. You see, Jesus is our advocate. Hallelujah. Isn't it great? On judgment day, imagine going to judgment day without Jesus to be your advocate. I'm not a huge fan of lawyers, but I like my lawyer, Jesus. <laughs> Partly because he's paid the price himself as well. He's even free. Amazing. He just wants me to give him his life now. So isn't that great that we have that advocate, Jesus Christ, who stands at our defense, the blood of Christ. And so Satan, when he lobs all these attacks at our minds, says, you know what? You're not really accepted. You're not really... You remember you sinned yesterday. That's disqualified you. And you say, no, the blood of Christ cleanses me from all unrighteousness you know so you guard your minds in the in, in the knowledge of christ in the peace of christ work on that speak truth to yourself speak scripture to yourself remember that you're saved by jesus not by what you do or what you don't do we're safe in him and there's a shield of faith as well that it talks about there that we put out the fiery darts of the devil i mean it was more like they had like a shield like a door it's a massive door, wasn't it? And it was covered in, like, it was damp so that when the fiery darts um, came in it, they'd be extinguished. And Satan is going to shoot fiery darts at you. And you've got to say, no, I know what I believe. I know whom I've believed. Um, chapter 4, verse 13. Chapter 4, verse 13. Until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, and we are in this battle together. You know, the Romans used to fight in the testudos, didn't they? Do you know that? The tortoises. And it's quite good to put your shield over someone else's head, right? The guys behind will put your shield. So you kind of go along with this little tortoise. They were impenetrable, right? And so sometimes someone else kind of might need you to put the shield of faith up over them in a way. Do you know what I mean? Say, so, do you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to believe. I'm going to, I'm going to fight for you right now. My mum fought for me earlier on this year. She did. I mean, if my mum has fought for me all my life. I'm so grateful for her prayers. It's kind of why I'm here today, but because I was going a bit mental early on this year and I thought I'd lost my salvation and I had intrusive thoughts and I couldn't pray. There's like this black cloud over me. Every time I went out to pray on my prayer walks, I'd just be like trying to pray and they'd just be like, mm, you know, you know, like you're lost, you know, God doesn't like you. all this kind of stuff. And my mum prayed and, and the cloud lifted and it was like, it's like she had her shield out of faith because she believed in the promises of God, you know, that, that. If anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Being confident of this, that God who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ. You know, speak these promises to yourself. Sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The best example of that, I think, is Jesus in the desert. 
Jesus is coming under attack from Satan, right? And he attacks him back, doesn't he? Do you remember what Jesus says three times when he's in the desert? Someone say it. It's written. It is written, you know? And that's powerful, right? Satan cannot stand against the word of God declared and believed. Declare it and believe it. You know, we're not word faith people. We're not like, I believe Jesus, you're going to give me this uh, mansion. You know, it's not about that, but it's about saying, right, look, man shall not live by bread alone, but every what everything that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, I don't need the thing that you're telling me that I need right now because I have enough in Jesus. You know what I mean? We declare the word of God and we push away these fiery attacks and fiery darts of the devil and they will come at you. There's no way that Satan's happy about what's happening this week. He's massively going to retaliate. He's going to do the suicide bomb at the entrance of the airport. See what I mean? That's, that's an example of what Satan does. He, he fights low blows, you know. The US are withdrawing, they're taking people to safety, ISIS goes, we don't like that. Let's blow people up. You know, that's what Satan does. He fights dirty. He fights low. He fights hard. And you need each other to strengthen one another. And you need to put on Christ. You need to put on the armor of God every day. It's actually more important. Imagine this, right? Would would you rather, would you rather walk out of your house naked, but with the armor of God on, or walk out of your house with all your clothes on and no armor? Well, obviously, neither are particularly attractive (laughs) options, unless you're an exhibitionist. Um, But that's what I'm saying. Like, we, how many days of your life you walk out of your house like spiritually naked, don't you? Are you surprised? You know, so prepare yourself for the attacks. Get ready, put the armor on, be a man, be a woman of God and defend one another as well. Put the shield of faith over someone who's struggling. Like, get your shield and put it in front of them, you know? Okay. We must stand firm together because there is no armor for our backs. We must stand firm together, one family, there is no, don't run away from the devil, resist him and he will flee from you. Hallelujah. On your own, the devil's smarter than you and stronger than you and he will destroy you because he's a roaring lion. With Christ, he will, he will run away from you. That's what he did from Jesus in the desert. He had to leave him. And you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the defense. Now, the offense is in, this is lastly, the offense. Um, we talked already a bit about the sword of the spirit, the ground war when we're down on the ground, using the word of God in your conversation all the time, you don't have to say, and, and as it says now in uh, Haggai 1, you don't have to do that with all your non-Christians, but trying to have kind of biblical speech in the way that you speak. You know, that's why you need to be reading the Bible every day. Do you read the Bible every day? If you don't read the Bible every day, that is literally like you're not eating any food on that day. What, would you go for a whole day without eating food? You might. It's quite unusual though. I mean, if you did it for multiple days, you probably have some kind of eating disorder, right? Are you, are you biblically anorexic? Right? So don't do that to yourself. Read the Bible every day. Right? Otherwise, you are like, as it says here, a Christian with a closed Bible is like a knight with an empty scabbard. He's not going to win many battles. Right? You wonder why you're weak. You wonder why you're mentally struggling. You're emotionally bereft why you're all at sea and you have lacking direction in your life. You've got a closed Bible, dude. Open your Bible, not just on camp. Try and find ways to get it into your bloodstream. If you don't like reading, listen to it. We are more privileged than any generation in history because we've got stuff coming out of our ears. Get you version, plug it into your ears and listen to it every day if you don't like reading. If you do like reading, read it. If you don't like reading or listening, what can you do now? Get someone else to text you? I don't know what, but just find ways, you know, get it in your system. Get it in your system. Get the word of God in your system. 
Job says, I have desired your word more than my necessary food. And my old pastor says, no feeding before reading. So in the morning, like before he has his breakfast, he has to read his Bible. You know, like no feeding before reading. Now, I can't have my, uh, my Cocoa Pops <laughs> before I've read God's word. Very easy to stop doing it. It's very easy to get out of the habit. I try to read the whole Bible every year. I'm about 15 days behind schedule at the moment, embarrassingly. Um, my excuse is I've been preparing for this, but that's not good. So I've got to crack on, get back into the word of God. Otherwise, I'm a knight without a sword, an empty scabbard. Like last thing is air support. So this is back to Ephesians 6 again. And we're looking right at the end now um, when he talks in verse 18, Ephesians 6, 18. Pray in all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplications. To this end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. And I just like this idea of being like ground war and air war, you know, that, that you're fighting like on the ground, but you can actually send little care packages, you know, to your, to your buddies on the ground as well. The best way to care is to send prayers through the air. <laughs> All right. So you fully well know, don't you, that there are people in this camp that have struggles, right, when they go back home, don't you? Do you care about them? Like, you know, you give each other a hug, goodbye, oh, you know, a bit sad, you know, I'll, I'll see you next year, but maybe hopefully before that, you know, please try and meet up throughout the year. Go for it. Get each other's numbers. Do it. Don't be embarrassed. Do it. You need each other. But, you know, like I've had people share stuff with me this week and it's been pretty deep, some of it. Um, and I've shared some stuff as well with you because I'm, I'm vulnerable too. Like, what are you going to do when you, when, you, when you think of that person? One person, did, I was having the shower this morning, one person came to my mind, I thought, great, I can do that. You know, I, I did do that. So I didn't want to be a hypocrite. <laughs> but no, I, I, I was having my shower and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I can, I can send a little, one of those little parachutes with a little, care package when i pray for that person you know that god will just sprinkle blessing on their lives see what paul says praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints anyone pops into your mind from this camp you know send prayers through the air okay because they'll be fighting on the ground with a sword and you can give them some reinforcements and supplies through your prayers God calls us to stand firm in his power, defended by his armour and fighting his battles with his word and prayer. Going to have, uh, I guess we sing. And before we do that, we're going to have a little time together. And then we'll have a little bit of Q&A after that as well. So just spend a minute on your own. Think to yourself, have I been fighting the wrong battles? My own battles, maybe I need to repent of that and start fighting God's battles. Am I relying on my own strength a bit too much? Sure, I will do. Yeah, sorry. And am I putting on the armour of God every day or am I walking out of the house naked spiritually? And in terms of offence, where am I at with the Bible? Where am I at with praying for other people? 